the keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. A tough loss for the San Francisco 49ers against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, They weren't able to execute at the level that 49ers have shown previously this year. And the Minnesota Vikings uh, beat them. And let's give credit to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense for doing so well on third down and just taking advantage of what the 49ers defense gave them. And when it came down to it, there are certain areas you just can't afford uh, to fail at if you expect to win football games in the NFL. Uh, First off, you cannot turn over the football more than your opponent, and the 49ers definitely did that in this game. 49ers came in plus 15 advantage over the Minnesota Vikings, yet the Minnesota Vikings uh, won the turnover battle, and they won third down conversion rate in this game. So you got to give your hats off to them. They played well. The 49ers were definitely not the 49ers that we've seen throughout this season, and they've got to make sure they fix this. But 5-2 and two for the San Francisco 49ers right now, and they've got to get things uh, turned around because they're going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals next Sunday, and the Bengals are coming off a bye. So it's going to be tough for the San Francisco 49ers moving forward. And what's up to everyone that's in chat? Uh, thanks for coming through. Uh, Spyman Nick Danger says, ugh. I think that was a a feeling that a lot of us definitely had while watching the football game. Jan Jan said another brutal week. It it was tough. And what happens, you know, after these losses and now two losses in a row is you definitely start feeling some type of way about things that happened in this football game. Uh, So you're right, Jan. It's going to be a tough week. And Spidey Danger says outcoached, out-schemed. it, it wasn't good, and there were some mistakes uh, by the 49ers as far as you know. some of the players made mistakes. Uh, there was some coaching gaffes in this football game as well, and I'm sure the coaches would say the same thing. They want some of these plays back. Once again, the 49ers had an opportunity, even though, think about this, they played bad, and they still had an opportunity to win at the end of the football game. Of course, they weren't successful. They did not get the victory, uh, but they are just so talented. They've got to figure this out. And uh, hopefully they can in the next, you know, several weeks because they need to start getting some game wins. And Spidey Danger says screen passes to death. Yeah, they they definitely uh, came after them so much in this football game. Spidey Danger saying all blitz, no sacks. They're, the four yards are not being able to get pressure right now with four guys. And this has been one of my biggest concerns with the 49ers and, you know, everyone that listens all the way since back. Uh, during training camp, there was concerns about that edge defender being able to get pressure opposite of Nick Bosa. Uh, they brought in Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell does a good job, you know, setting the edge against the the run, but he doesn't do such a great job, you know, as far as getting home, as far as pass rush. They brought in Randy Gregory. Uh, Gregory did put pressure on Kirk Cousins today on the, the attempted screen pass, but other than that, he didn't get home, and really none of the front four got home. But until the 49ers get a legitimate option opposite of Nick Bosa, uh, they're going to double team the other guys and they're going to single up that edge defender and make him win one-on-one. And right now those guys haven't proven that they can consistently win, which means the uh, Vikings or whoever the 49ers are playing are going to have success holding down that front four. And let's be honest, Kirk Cousins took advantage of the 49ers blitz today. He was on point when they brought blitz. He won a couple times. Uh, coming with a perfect screen pass, good calls by Kevin McConnell uh, as he was able to, you know, do what they wanted to do. So, yeah, it wasn't great. And and uh, Josh was with me over on the PSF app. Me and Mark Adams uh, go play, you know, play by play and and talk about the game the whole time during the PSF app. And Josh was leaving chat the whole time, and it was it was up and down. It was tough, and it just wasn't great. So traffic, what's up, traffic? Says what's up, TCC? Two weeks in a row. We played about as bad as possible with chances to win. Both that's only positive, but the TD before half was disgusting, absolutely brutal. Uh, this is probably that play, if, you know, I mean, Josh can attest to this, 
was probably the most critical of the 49ers coaching that I've been all season. Um, I thought in that situation, you just can't let that happen. That is not something that a defensive coordinator should allow to happen with 16 seconds left. The Minnesota Vikings on their side of the field with no timeouts. All you have to do is play coverage, allow the ball to be completed in the middle of the field, underneath, uh, on, on the Viking side of the 50-yard line, and even if they get up and spike it, they maybe have one more play. Uh, you're just, at worst, forcing a long field goal. But really, a play over the middle of the field would have probably been the end of the half, and the 49ers would have went in down 10-7. to I thought that was an absolute brutal call, bringing the blitz, putting man coverage on the back end. There wasn't even enough time that if you would have created a turnover or got a big sack that you felt your offense could have gotten the football. It was not good situational football. I'm sure that's something that Steve Wilkes is going to look at, assess, and wish he could have back. But that was a critical junction in this game. And we're talking about a game that ends with a five-point loss. And if you lose by five and you gave up seven on something critical like that, it's unfortunate. Uh, so I think the 49ers are definitely going to be upset with how that went wise. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things you just got to continue to get better at. And I think the 49ers... Um, you know, got to, got to work on it. And Steven says, bad taste in my mouth. We're getting exposed. It's crazy, right? I, I think it's crazy. Uh, and coach Mike, who's a Vikings fan says doing that without Jefferson. I think sometimes when you don't have those guys, uh, you know, you don't have your big time players. Sometimes it can be a little bit easier for an offense. You're not worried about four speeding. Uh, and it can also be more difficult for a defense. So uh, it can go both ways when people don't have their playmakers. I think, the, the normal thought, right, if you're going to have one of their big-time players missing, that, yeah, it's going to be easier for you. I don't think it's always the case, uh, but I thought the Vikings, you know, players did a really good job. Jordan Addison continually got open, and when he wasn't available, then Powell got open or Osborne got open. And let's be honest, Kirk Cousins threw the ball on time in tight windows, and they caught it. And, you know, TJ Hawkinson early in the game I thought had a big effect on the game as well. So, uh, definitely, I think that those guys, you know, played well. You tip your cap when people play well. And then the defense, it just really struggled. They did have two goal line stops. So we got to remember that. Bravo to them for holding up in those types of situations. Uh, but they were just, they only forced one punt in this game. Uh, so the interception on the first drive that Cousins throws, good play by Traverius Ward. Then after that, there's just no open frames. It's touchdowns, it's field goals, and just some egregious, you know, mistakes by the 49ers. And that's what Josh is saying here. Was it me or did Wilkes have arrogant play calling, just stuck to his guns, even when it wasn't working? I think, to be honest with you, Josh, I think Wilkes was trying to make something happen. Uh, so they were struggling early on in this football game to get off the field. They didn't have answers for what Kevin McConnell and the Vikings were doing on offense. And so he was taking some chances. He was trying to bring extra pressure. He was trying to disrupt the timing that Kirk Cousins had in the pocket because he couldn't get home with four. And I thought that they did a really good job, the Vikings did, on hitting the screens on the second drive. As soon as Steve Wilkes felt he needed to be aggressive and get after the Vikings, the Vikings turned to the screen game with great success. Multiple different types of screens, and they really took advantage of the 49ers' eagerness to get after Kirk Cousins and get him uh, irritated and off his spot. And whenever you do that, you run the risk of being burned by it. And I thought the 49ers were in this game, and you got to tip your cap to the Vikings. It was a very good game plan on their part. Uh, the way they were taking advantage of Hawkinson early, just finding him underneath, finding him in zones, and then later on uh, starting to stretch it with Addison. And that throw on the first touchdown, Jordan Addison, is, that is a spectacular throw. Uh, Tishon Gibson gets held just enough in the center of the field, and then Trey Greenlaw isn't doesn't get quite vertical enough, but that's a tight window throw that he makes. You 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 know credit him. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in this league that make that throw, rip it on time, and get it to their open receiver. So I tip the cap all the while realizing that there were some mistakes that the 49ers made, both coaching and also you know with play on the field, uh, and and that's how you just gotta you gotta learn from these things. Ryan says our defense is now a weakness. Here's what's interesting about the defense. They gave up 23 points in this game. Um, and I mean, I'm sorry, they gave up uh, 22 points in this game. It's not what you want to give up. But when it comes to scoring defense, the 49ers are still one of the best in the league. 
Uh, they give up 14 and a half coming to this game, so they gave you know an extra uh, touchdown and, and, and such uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. But the defense is, even though they didn't play well, because I, I want to make that clear, they didn't play well, they're still not giving up 30-plus points. Uh, they're hanging in there. I mean, the most that they've given up this year was 23 to Los Angeles Rams. So as far as scoring defense, they've done good. I think in this situation, though, it was a struggle. And once the 49ers offense turned over the football in the red zone, we're talking McCaffrey's fumble. Uh, that caused the 49ers to lose at least three points. Uh, the Jake Moody first field goal that he missed, that caused the 49ers to miss points. That's a six-point swing. They lost by five. I think those things are hypercritical in a game like this. And I think it also set the tone. 49ers coming off an interception by Charvarius Ward, and the 49ers walk away with no points because of a Christian McCaffrey fumble. If you walk away with a touchdown on that drive, you're the one playing from in front, which the 49ers have been doing all year. And I think that significantly altered the outcome of the game. So I get what you're saying, though. And uh, Ryan M says where it was B.A. in the second half. Well, the Vikings started trying to take away B.A. So when they started trying to take away B.A., that opened up George Kittle. If you notice, George Kittle had a big second half. Christian McCaffrey, a big second half in the, in the passing game. And that, that's, what, that's what's big. And, you know, on the PSF app, I actually talked about this right before it happened. Uh, I said to Josh, you know, Josh would say, hey, Kyle normally abandons the run game. And I said, hey, this is when you have to get creative with the run game. This is when you need to run those extended plays to the sideline, the, the passes to McCaffrey that are like extended run plays. They did a boom touchdown. So, um, you know, I, I think that the Vikings knew that they needed to take away uh, Brandon Ayuk in the second half. They went to do that. Warriors had opportunities with Kittle, McCaffrey, Jawan Jennings uh, to get things done. It just didn't, you know, really work out. And uh, Josh says, how many illegal contacts and PIs did we have? A lot, you know, and I think I think the 49ers definitely, you know, get some here and there. Um, you know, they, they're playing a lot of man coverage, and whenever you play a lot of man coverage, you're going to have opportunities for those type of penalties. And then you got the Vikings because the 49ers aren't able to get home with four, uh, starting to run double moves, and you're getting the aggressiveness of the 49ers defensive backs wanting to make a play. Whenever you're trying to make a play and trying to do something big for your football team instead of just letting the play come to you, you can sometimes get a little bit uh, in between where you want to be and make some mistakes. And I thought there was a couple of, of penalties that were legit. You know, there's always the ones that are, are questionable. Uh, but for the most part, I thought this was a pretty well-officiated game. And, um, you know, you just, unfortunately, when you're in man coverage and stuff like that, you are more susceptible to those kinds of penalties. So, um, you know, Coach Mike says Niners had great playmakers, just a bad play calling today defensively. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Steve Wilkes wasn't on top of his game. Last week, he played it too soft against P.J. Walker. And I think this time he got too jumpy and too antsy and wanted to make something happen against Kirk Cousins and be aggressive, and it was a struggle. And let's be honest, with the Vikings being able to run the football a little bit in the first half, it definitely made things uh, harder on the 49ers. 49ers weren't facing, you know, having them face as many third and longs as they wanted. And that first one was probably the most pivotal where uh, TJ Hawkinson runs a little middle screen there all by himself, just, you know, is blocking and then releases. And Fred Warner had dropped so far vertically that he's unable to get up there and make the tackle in time. And, uh, you know, I thought after that, the momentum really got going. I think if they could have got a stop right there, got the ball right back, it could have negated the momentum gained by the Christian McCaffrey fumble. But well, the 49ers were turning over the footballs here, so uh, not great. And WTM said, I'm ready to start my Sam Darnold campaign. Don't do it. Uh, none of that. You know, Brock Purdy, you know, made some mistakes. He threw the two interceptions today to Bynum. Uh, the one on the last drive, you know, that was a bad play. The one with Jennings, I'm not sure why he threw it so far inside. Uh, but I'm not ready to go down that road yet. Brock Purdy had a bad game in the second half. I thought in the first half he was really, really good. I thought in the second half he had some mistakes, uh, but he's still a young guy learning, and I want to see him grow from this, and I want to see him get better from this. And if he can, then uh, you're, you're fine with it. you know. But uh, these losses always sting, but it doesn't mean you turn and look for somebody else to fill that role. Uh, I don't believe Sam Darnold you know, could have the effectiveness that Brock Purdy's had in this offense, uh, so I'm not ready to go there. But you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tongue-in-cheek chuckle at that uh, for sure, because I thought that was kind of funny um, that you said that for sure. 
Um, and Coach Mike says, sometimes you have to rely on your playmakers to make plays instead of trying to call the play to make the play. Uh, I think that's I think that's true. You know, I, I think you you do have to rely on your your playmakers uh, doing you know making plays and, and getting things done. And Josh says, how concerned are we about the defensive line looking like a weakness as of late? Um, I think it's definitely something that the 49ers are got to be concerned about. And, you know, of course, like I said, you know, I've been a little bit concerned about that opposite edge rusher of Bosa. Uh, even with Randy Gregory coming in, I don't think we have the depth. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're getting the play uh, that we're desired to be getting from, you know, like Drake Jackson. I don't think we're getting the pass rush from Cleveland Farrell. So they've got to find something there. Of course, inter, you know, interior defensive line is supposed to be a real strength. Um, and, you know, and, and you're, you're getting some of that. But in the same regard, you know, today they were really quiet up front, and I didn't think that was going to be the case. We've seen consistently Hargrave, Armstead, and Kinlaw uh, put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Well, today, uh, Reisner and the inside portion, you know, Bradbury and those guys of the Vikings, I thought they did a really good job in the interior defensive line. Uh, the pocket wasn't really collapsing. There was not a lot of pressure from Bosa or the opposite edge either. Uh, so, I mean, it's something that the Foyers are going to have to look at. I don't know exactly why they're not getting the penetration they normally got, uh, but they are going to have to address that a little bit. A little bit. Uh, and Josh says no pressure and our cornerbacks get, are going to get cooked. That's right. I mean, that's the thing. If you don't get pressure on the opposing quarterback, he's going to have the time to navigate, go through, and make his reads. Uh, you got to quicken up his internal clock. That was one of my keys this week against Kirk Cousins was speeding up his internal clock and making him get rid of the football before he wanted to. If he's able to sit back and go through his reads, he's completely capable of making the proper read and getting the ball on time to his receivers. He throws very catchable footballs and executes at a high level. So uh, what you saw was it, you know, in inability to get to Kirk Cousins and him taking advantage of that inability and making some plays. So, yeah, to me, it, it was it was really big by him. That is for sure. Um, yeah, Josh says can't stop uh, Powell either. Uh, Mike says time of possession means a lot in games like this. I, it does. As your defense starts to wear down. Um, a lot of it was self-inflicted wounds by the defense not being able to get off the field. And it was something the Vikings weren't really good at. They were losing time of possession. They weren't converting on third down uh, consistently. And then they came into this game and they absolutely tore it up. And so you got to give them you got to give them credit for that. Um, they did what they needed to do, and and yeah, ultimately it kept the forty yards defense on the field. And the forty yards didn't run the ball very effectively. And when they you know did it, get it going in the second half, you know they were playing from behind. So. Uh, the four yards are, are really good if they get in front. They're able to play in front. Uh, but early on, they, they you know turn over the football, and they weren't able to get those points that they needed. Hugo says, what's up with the blitz there at the end of the first half? It, it was a bad call. I mean, that's just what it is, Hugo. Um, that's just – defensive coordinator should not have made that call. Um, you should not be in zero coverage in that type of situation. They should have been playing, you know, you know too high safety look. They should have been playing quarters. Uh, make everything go underneath, uh, play, you know, that Halo-style defense, tackle underneath, you know, put your feet at the 50-yard line, everything underneath gets, is, you know, uh, gets tackled, and then they have no timeouts. They let the clock run. You're going to use at least 10 to 12 seconds on that play. Maybe they have five or six. Uh, the odds of getting a field goal are not very good. Um, so it, it was just a bad call at the, you know, in that juncture. So it was really upsetting to see. And I think that's, like I said, the most critical I've been of the four years coaching staff this entire year. I think they want that one back for sure. And Randy says, Burroughs will be fun next week. Hey, Ant. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, right, it's the same thing every week. You've got to get pressure on the quarterback with four. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, limit the run game, make them one-dimensional. And if you can't do that, then you're going to you know, run a risk of, of losing. And let's be honest, the Vikings played winning football today. The 49ers didn't play winning football today. When you lose the turnover uh, battle, when you lose time of possession, when you lose third down you know, conversion rate, you're probably going to lose the game. And that's what happened here. The crazy thing is the 49ers are so talented on both sides of the football that they had an opportunity to win. And they, when it came down to it, you know, they couldn't get it done. They couldn't execute. 
uh, in the brightest of moments on prime time with the game on the line. And, and now they've got to go back. They got to regroup and they got to figure this thing out. And people got to look in the mirror and they got to realize, hey, we've got to make some plays. And that, that doesn't just go with the players. That's coaches as well. And the coaches will wear this one, I guarantee you. Uh, knowing the character of Kyle Shannon and Steve Wilkes, they'll they'll own it. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, that was that's not looking good. Next week is going to be a tough one, uh, that is for sure. And, and Ryan says our two losses we have had not had a great run game. If we have any weaknesses in offense, it's that when we don't have a threat of running the ball, defenses are able to sit back and wait for Brock to throw. Yeah, I, I think that's that's big, and that part of the reason why is you lose a little bit of effectiveness with no Trent Williams. Uh, when you don't have Trent Williams there, number one, you know for sure he's going to negate one pass rusher on one, on that side of the football. You just don't have to worry about it. Number two, he's very effective in the run game. Uh, not only can he win at the point of attack, but he can also get to the second level. He can run people down. Uh, he's really effective in a tremendous amount of areas. So when you're missing an all-pro left tackle, it can be huge for your football team. Where Minnesota was having uh, Darisol there, so they could go ahead and help in other areas and put Darisol one-on-one and know that they were going to have a good chance of victory. The 49ers weren't able to do that. With that being said, I thought Jalen Moore held up as good as he could in this football game, but your run offense definitely uh, took a step back as far as not having Trent Williams in the game. And of course, whenever you don't have Debo, you also lose just a threat of what you know Debo can potentially do. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, something that we're going to see as the 49ers get Trent Williams back and get Debo back, uh, you know, by the time we get to Jacksonville, hopefully the 49ers will be uh, full speed ahead coming off their bye week, but next week's going to be a, a tough, I don't know if Trent will be out there. We know Debo's not, and the 49ers still have to adjust. Uh, Randy says no one wants to hear it, but Brock was very Jimmy. Um, it, it's unfortunate. I don't know exactly what happened there with that throw to Juwan Jennings, um, but the one thing I'll say about Brock, he doesn't look as, you know, happy feet in the in the pocket as Jimmy did. Uh, but yeah, the, those the turnovers, the interceptions over the middle of the field were more reminiscent of what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo in his career. But I think sometimes that's just where you're going to see those things because, um, you know, I think that's where things happen in the, in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, so it's tough. And Greg says the way we're going, we're looking at 10 and seven, maybe win the division. Uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, I think it's a little early, um, you know, to get on that. And I see Greg has another one here. He says we will lose to Cincy next week. I mean, right now, I mean, I think that's a lot of people's thoughts. Uh, I'm not ready to go there yet. I think the 49ers still have a good football team. I know Cincinnati's playing a lot better and Joe Burrow is a tough uh, you know, tough player, but four years are back at Levi Stadium. And also, I mean, we just saw the four years lose two games we expected them to win. Why all of a sudden wouldn't they win the one they, they potentially should lose, right? Uh, so I think this is a game. It's going to be a tough matchup. It's an AFC matchup. You don't want to lose it. Uh, but I think the four years know they need to regroup and, you know, and get after it. So it's tough. And WTM always comes with a grade, says, what grade do you give, give Coach Steve Wilkes tonight? Oh, I can't give him a high grade. I'll tell you that much. I, I thought that, that that call at the end of the first half alone uh, was enough to put him in the C category. And then, you know, after that, I don't think he ever really got a good grip uh, what the Vikings were doing. I don't think he ever got a good grip on his calls, um, you know, per se. Uh, I'm not going to give him an outright F or anything like that, but uh, I would say, you know, anything D plus to C minus uh, would be realistic. Anything in the C range is fine. Uh, I'm going to go with more of a range, uh, but it, it was that play wasn't good. Um, and then I don't know, Josh, are you talking about, you say Hunter, a 49er by weekend? I don't think they, I don't think they trade to Neil Hunter. Now uh, the Minnesota Vikings have a pretty favorable schedule coming up with some winnable football games. I think they're going to make a go of this. You know, I think that they believe that they can win next week. And if they win next week, they're back at 500 I think the Vikings aren't trading anyone. I think they're going to be uh, in the mix now to see what happens. So I don't think Daniil Hunter gets traded now. And I think the Fournier's are going to have to look other ways. But I do think they need to address the edge rush uh, situation. Uh, Randy Gregory is a nice rotation and, and a guy that can add, but they're not willing to play him you know, more downs than he's playing. I mean, at the end of the game, they had Drake Jackson in. You know, When they almost had that sack on Kirk Cousins, uh, it, it was not – 
it was not Randy Gregory in there. It was Drake Jackson. So I think it's something interesting, um, you know, that we'll have to see how it, it, it goes. And Greg, Greg G says, uh, Wilkes shop or Wilkes should be fired. I'm guessing is what you're saying. I'm not ready to go there as far as firing Steve Wilkes. Uh, we've seen Robert Sola have these types of mistakes. Uh, we've seen you know, D'Amico Ryans have mistakes at the end of football games. Those things suck. Uh, coaches make mistakes. They're humans. And so they do things out of impulse uh, without weighing and, and knowing situation that happens. What you just make sure is you never do it again. And uh, I think that's what Steve Wilkes is going to have to do in this category. Uh, do I think it was pretty egregious? Absolutely. You can't let those things happen. I've coached on coaching staffs where this happened. Uh, when I was a position coach, you know, we had a defensive coordinator call something very similar and ended up being a big first-half touchdown, the same situation. And it was, it was just egregious. There's no reason for it, uh, but it happens. And I think when it happens, uh, you just make sure it never happens again. Eduardo says, right tackle, corner, or DN. Spend that money, considering Purdy had no time to throw, but also defense is playing like crap. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction, Eduardo. I get that you know, you're frustrated, uh, but I don't think the offensive line played like crap today or the offensive line didn't do good and gave Brock Purdy no time uh, because – I know I misread what you said, considering Purdy had no time to throw. I think he did have some time. You know, I think once the 49ers were playing from behind and they knew there wasn't going to be a consistent run game, or uh, then they were able to kind of attack and be more aggressive in the second half. But I thought Jalen Moore and them held up pretty good. Uh, the one, one of the times Brock Purdy got pressure it was a miss by Charlie Warner. So I don't think they played like crap or, or really bad uh, and that Brock had no time. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think anytime you could upgrade any of those positions you talked about, right tackle, corner, or defensive end, uh, you got to think about it. And, I mean, that's one thing that Lynch said this week. He's not willing uh, to make up a, a splash. So, uh, if you can make a splash, go ahead and go do it. Randy says, I don't like Wilkes up in the booth either. Very low energy. I'll be honest with you, as somebody that's coached before, uh, as, a, as a coordinator especially, you don't want to coach with energy. Uh, you want to have clear minds as you're going to make your play. You don't want distractions on the sidelines. I have no problems with a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator being in the booth uh, and being able to make all the necessary notes and, and really chart things out and, and make clear, concise calls. Uh, that's not the issue. The energy has nothing to do with it. I think it just came down to a mistake uh, for sure that time. Uh, so that's what he's going to have to get better at. And we got Mr. Laughs is where Sam Darnold, the seventh rounder, starting to show Coach Ant, please help. Um, yeah, I mean, it ain't it ain't that time yet. I mean, let, let's be honest. Brock Purdy, he had some struggles last week in Cleveland, and he looked really good for about three quarters of this game. In the fourth quarter, he made two mistakes. And it's unfortunate that he made those mistakes. Both of those were potential game-winning drives. So Brock Purdy's going to have to prove at some point that he can make those plays and win the, win those types of football games. But you can't be ready to throw him out yet. Uh, you just got to expect him to you know, continue to grow. And if he continues to make these mistakes, yes, it's, a, it's tough. And it's going to cost you some football games. And then you might have to think about it. But right now, this is a small sample size. And I think if you guys go back in the history of the 49ers, you're going to see lots of quarterbacks that had stretches they struggled, times they had mistakes, you know, there's quarterbacks, some of the greatest of all time, have had three and four interception games. Uh, so do I – I'm not ready to put, like, you know, of course I'm not putting Brock in that category. I'm just giving an illustration that sometimes you just got to weather some of these storms and hope that he can learn from those and you can make better decisions, um, you know, from it. So I, I'm okay with, you know, what's happening with the 49ers right now. Uh, but, yeah, some of these guys are going to have to step up. Um, I think they're going to just have to get better. Uh, Coach Mike says Vikings had sketchy calls as well. Ugly game coaching-wise all around. A lot to take away from a game like this as a coach. Yeah, I mean, you're either, you know, you're either way when you watch the film, you're either happy with it or, or upset with it on every single play. Uh, I think there was some lack of execution on both sides. I think there was lack of, you know, great calls on both sides, maybe decisions that they would like to have back. Um, but, you know, when you're the team that, that wins, you can at least uh, have a, a little bit of a different film room, a sigh of relief with your mistakes compared to the team that lost. And I think the Warriors are going to have some tough, uh, a tough room this week as they go in there and they have to watch this film. Um, 
<laughs> uh, the truth is the light, said Blaine Purdy. No one told him to throw picks and stall in the red zone more than three times. Um, I mean, you can blame Brock Purdy if you want. I don't think that he was the reason that Christian McCaffrey fumbled. I don't think he was the reason that Jake Moody missed the field goal. I don't think he was the reason that Jawan Jennings dropped a third down uh, completion. Uh, so, yeah, did Brock Purdy make mistakes? Two interceptions? Absolutely. Does he have to wear it for those two interceptions? Absolutely. You know who else has to wear it? Every single other player uh, that made mistakes. From Jawan Jennings and uh, you know Charlie Warner missing a block on the edge that resulted in a three-yard loss on McCaffrey, uh, to Colton McKivis getting beat by Daniil Hunter that caused a Brock Purdy sack. There are plenty of mistakes and plenty of blame to go around. Uh, it's just often highlighted by the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can blame Brock Purdy if you want, but there's plenty of blame to go around from players to coaches. And let's be honest, players, uh, every player makes mistakes. Uh, Josh has no Debo next week. So I'd expect the same struggles offensively. Um, you know what? It, you can expect that with all things. There's different matchups. So you're going to be going against a different Cleveland – I'm sorry, a different Cincinnati Bengals team who has different skill players at different positions – and how they play is different with their scheme. Uh, so it, it it could. It could mean the same thing or it could mean something entirely different. I do know this. It's a lot easier with Debo Samuel in the lineup than without him. Uh, so it's one less thing that the team has to prepare for. So the 49ers have to get, get back there, regroup, and prepare to play Cincinnati and hope that they can uh, win and get improve to 6-2. and two. And I think that's what, you know, you always got to try. Uh, and Greg says, all year long, no pressure except for Hargrave. You're right. I mean, most of the time, the 49ers have had to dial it up even to get Bosa home. You know, last week's sack by Bosa came because of a blitz. And so you're right. They've had a hard time uh, getting pressure with their front four. Uh, Hargrave's the one that's been getting home the most. He has three sacks on the season. So, yeah, the expectation is uh, that we need something. And what's been going on? Well, they've been double-teaming. You know, three parts of the 49ers four-man front, and they've been letting that, you know, defender, the edge defender, uh, go one-on-one. -on -one. Now, today, a couple times it got varied up uh, where they went ahead and sent two guys the way of the opposite edge defender when it was Randy Gregory, and they left either Armstead or Hargrave one-on-one, -on -one, mostly Armstead, and the 49ers didn't get wins in those scenarios. Uh, so, yeah, the, right now the guy who singled up has to win, and the 49ers aren't getting it, and that's one of the things I made clear when I was watching the game earlier is that was the thing that separated the 49ers in 2019 from everyone else, is that if you put D. Ford, Nick Bosa, uh, Buckner, or Armstead in one-on-one -on -one situations, they were going to win. And right now, we're not getting that from the 49ers front defensive line, so they've got to get better. And Steve Wilkes has got to find a way. Does he need to run twists? Does he need to run TE stunts? What does he need to do to help those guys create separation and get home to the quarterback? That's something they have to figure out this week. Um, Greg says Kyle was fine. It's Wilkes. He calls a terrible game. Um, I thought last week the criticisms were the too high safety look, uh, against, you know, a backup quarterback. I thought those were warranted. I understood what he was trying to do. He was trying to make him automatically check into a run, get a run stop, force him to third down and then get off the field. I understand the, the, the conversation of what he's trying to do. Uh, but overall, execution of the game plan wasn't working. Foreigners couldn't stop Cleveland's run. And then this week, I think it's really highlighted by the egregious play at the end of the first half. I think if that wasn't there, we might not be over the top on Steve Wilkes as far as, like, completely down on him. We would probably be upset that the Foreigners gave up so many points and didn't cause any uh, punts. But, you know, I, I think that's just something to remember. Hugo says, any word of the guys from IR coming back? Gray, Beal. I don't think you're going to see Bill this year. I don't think that you're going to see uh, Darrell Luter Jr. this year, to be honest with you. I think they're going to redshirt both those players. As far as Danny Gray, I just don't think they have a roster spot for him. Now, I mean, they would have to decide to do something uh, with Ronnie Bell, and right now Ronnie Bell's healthy, so I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get uh, Danny Gray back and you know being able to play. Greg says, I threw up on the TD late in the second quarter. That one was, yeah, that one was bad. Uh, what's up, Ziggy? My, my guy Ziggy's in here. It says, wow, what a horrible game. It was tough. You know, that was a tough watch. Uh, definitely when it ended, I had to sit there and kind of chill for five minutes. I told Mark, he asked me if I'm going live. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and chill a little bit here, and then I'll get on because uh, it, it, was, it, was it was a little bit tough there. 
Craig says Wilkes called press coverage and all out blitz with 10 seconds and zero Viking timeouts. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's what happened. That was the one that got everyone's attention. What's up, Phil? Phil's in the house. Says Wilkes should have put in Mason or Mitchell in, if only to show defense is a different look. Well, what I thought was interesting is I, I believe Elijah Mitchell got one carry during the game, uh, and it had no chance. Like, Minnesota blew through in the interior defensive line, studded him up. Uh, he had no chance. Uh, McCaffrey was pretty much in on every single snap. I will say this, McCaffrey, the, the Kyle finding ways to get McCaffrey the football in the second half. The run game started to open up. I don't know what the 49ers saw on film that made them believe they were going to be able to run the ball inside uh, early on in this game. Maybe they didn't want to put pressure you know, on Colton McKivitz or on Jalen Moore on the edge to make their blocks. Um, or you know, maybe they were worried about DJ Wanham or uh, you know, um, Daniel Hunter. Uh, but for whatever reason, they were struggling. Later on in the game, they ran the extended pass or extended run play out to McCaffrey that resulted in a touchdown, and then later hit an outside zone play to the left uh, for a big nine-yard game for McCaffrey. So whatever reason the game plan adjusted at some point, they started getting a little bit of action in the run game, but Minnesota did a good job. So I don't know what they saw on film that made them go that way. I know a lot of people want to see Jordan Mason, uh, you know, and Elijah Mitchell and see what they can do. I will say this uh, as a as a coach. You do pull players off the field, you know, to make sure that your players are, are resting or healthy. Uh, but for the most part, if, if you can keep your number one player out there, you do because your percentages of having success go up with every single play that he's out there. And just like you saw in this game, McCaffrey's the one that scored both touchdowns. Uh, so his effectiveness is still felt in the football game, and that's why you have to have him out there, especially with Debo not in. One thing, one thing Kyle talked about this week was that as long as – uh, you don't have Debo. Christian McCaffrey can handle some of the Debo role. Um, so that's why a lot of times you go ahead and you keep him in the football game. So, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but you just kind of have to, you know, understand that you want to have your best possible players um, and get them in there. Uh, JLE says maybe Hunter Henry. Um, I think that, you know, tight end is always something you can look at. I don't think Charlie Warner had a great showing today. He's ineffective in the passing game. You saw what happened when they got a second tight end involved today where they threw a screen pass to Ross Dwelly. I think adding a, an extra tight end and a weapon to Kyle's offense uh, could be a facet that they go with. I don't know if the Patriots would make Hunter Henry available. Um, if they decided to make him available, him or Mike Gusecki, uh, then, yeah, I mean, those are options. I think Hunter Henry's definitely the better of the two because of his ability to block. Uh, so... It's tough. It's tough. Mr. Laugh says, Purdy, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of hurt feelings. You know, I mean, uh, we, we care about our team and we want our team to win. And in the grand scheme, it, it just it didn't happen. You know what I mean? It just didn't happen. Uh, Mr. Laugh says, I like the grades that WTMB asking. So there you go. Give an approval uh, to it. I like that. Um, let's see. Randy says, uh, when CMC scored the touchdown, there was no reason for there to be a minute left on the clock. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking at the end of the half. Uh, let's let's be honest. Like, in that part of the game, you just have to be make sure you get a touchdown. I know you want to run as much of that clock down as possible, but the defense did their job at, initially. Uh, so you had Traverse Ward, who turned back – uh, K.J. Osborne, and made him go backwards before he went out of bounds, which kept the clock running. That was huge. Then you had the tackle on Hawkinson as soon as he caught the ball underneath, which forced the third and long, and the Minnesota Vikings had to use their clock. So there was 16 seconds left, and they weren't even close to being to midfield. Uh, so you didn't have to go with the zero coverage, all-out blitz. Like It just it didn't, didn't make a lot of sense to me, so... That's kind of where the, the question marks were. I thought the defense executed at a high level before that. Um, and, you know, that's what happens when you got to just make sure you get it done and execute. Uh, let's see. Uh, Greg, Greg said, Greg's talking about uh, some things that happened in the game. Him and Randy are having a nice conversation about that, you know, last part of the game. I get it. Uh, oh, what's up, Mr. Corey? Mr. Corey's in the house. Um, but here we go. Let's let's see what, what Mr. Corey has to say. And I've been shaking my head for three hours. 
Well, hopefully you have a good chiropractor. You're probably going to need it. You're going to keep shaking your head. And if you have me on Patreon, you're going to go watch my L22 this week. I guarantee you're probably going to shake your head even more because I kept it real last week. I'm going to keep it real this week. It was very fun to hear the things that I talked about. We talked about about Kyle Shanahan, talked about him. Steve Wilkes talked about him. Uh, So that's what I'm going to do on Patreon this week. Uh, Deputy says both almost one second away from like five sacks, right? I think that's how it is right now. He's just not able to get home. Uh, just not finishing these things off. And that's what Josh is saying. We need a speed on that defensive line. That's what was the difference between uh, some of the other defensive lines the 49ers had, right? One thing I think they're missing if they can't get that edge defender that has tremendous speed is an interior defensive lineman that can consistently get pressure on his own, right? That's why the 49ers had the Arden Key role, or it was Charles Menehue, or it was Samson Ebicom rushing from the inside, Call the Tennessee Titans. What's up, Arden Key? Do you want to come back? And the reason I say that is because on obvious pass downs, it's in, it might be important for the 49ers to pull Eric Armstead off the field. And I hate to say that, but pulling him or Hargrave off the field and getting another defensive pass rusher out there could be exactly what they need. I don't think that they have that guy on the roster right now, though. You know what I mean? Before, they had guys that could do it. But right now, they don't have that guy. Um, that can get it done. So that's where they got to they gotta continue to work. Uh, let's see right here. Mr. Corey says, I hope to God they trade for Chase Young. This pass rush is overrated. Uh, they do need to make a move, you know, and, and they need to bring in an edge defender, I believe. Uh, if Randy Gregory become a rotational piece with Cleveland Farrell, I think that would be a good situation for the 49ers. I don't think Daniil Hunter is going to be available anymore. I think the Vikings are going to keep him. I think they're going to make a run at this thing. Uh, I think if they win next week, there's no reason for them to trade Daniel Hunter at 4-4. Four and four. So it could change everything. And Ashton G says, keep your heads high. You guys are only 5-2. and two. Still a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's a great way to put it is, like, why? Like, there's still, you know, plenty of time to go ahead and make a play. Uh, you know, and the 49ers are going to have chances. I mean, they're going to have opportunities to get stuff done. That's for sure. Uh, so let's see here. WTM says, Coach Ant, it feels like we're going backwards. Why does it feel like this, Coach Ant? Please help. Uh, it, it's just it's just a struggle of the season. Um, the 49ers, you know, really last week they had an opportunity. They should have won that game. They didn't play up to potential. And this week they they made mistakes and they didn't play good and they feel off kilter. And this happens sometimes, uh, especially in long seasons and seasons where you're playing really good football teams. You make mistakes and those are compounded. And then next thing you know, you're losing football games. And all you got to do is make sure you go back and you respond. And it, you just don't want it to be quicksand. You don't want to start anticipating making mistakes. You don't start want to start anticipating uh, you know, losing football games. You want to go out there and feel like you compete and you can win any game you're in. And the truth is the four yards roster uh, puts them in that type of situation. So uh, it's something that the four yards definitely got to get going. Greg says Chase Young would be a great pickup. We need more pressure. And, you know, he's been producing pressure this year. So I got to give him credit uh, for what for what he's doing. Mr. Gore says, I don't remember a more embarrassing loss than this. Well, there's been lots of them. Uh, I'm telling you, there's been lots of them. Uh, the 49ers, even when they had Bill Walsh, had some embarrassing losses. The most em- embarrassing loss that Bill Walsh ever had was against the Minnesota Vikings in the 1987 divisional playoffs. Uh, all you have to do is listen to him say it from his own. They could not stop Anthony Carter. So... There has been, you know, you probably don't remember them uh, losing a game to the the Raiders in 1988, where the Four Years got shut out 10 to zero or nine to zero. Uh, that was an embarrassing loss. There has um, there has been them. You just don't remember them right now because your history bias, you know, goes away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is one you don't want for sure. Um, uh, Jay Hill's in the house. It says 12 games, including playoffs. Bosa three and a half sacks. Well, I mean, I, I think that Bosa needs help. I honestly do. I think he needs somebody on the opposite side or another interior pass rusher. Like I said, like an Arden Key or somebody uh, that can help help get it done. Uh, JLE says, or another cornerback. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is interesting with the cornerback because I think if you help the pass rush, if the pass rush started getting home, the defensive backs would be really good. Um, do you remember the Norton Traveris Ward have been battling all year? I know Traveris Ward gave up the big one to Addison when he should have had the interception, but... You know, I'm not completely down on it. Mr. Corey says, bring DJ Jones back to stop the run. He would definitely do that. He would definitely still do that. So 
Um, yeah, I think that that's something that the four yards could definitely think about. And Jason says Niners need a, a number two wide receiver. Does that mean you do you not think that that uh, Brandon Ayuk or both number two wide receiver? Uh, please put that in the comments. I, I'm curious about that. Brad says one kind of positive is we had a lot less flags today. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think what happened in Cleveland is indicative of what's going to happen this season. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, so Jay Hill and Jay Ellie are agreeing. He says, agreed, Jason, or another tight end. Uh, so we got some some nice comments going on here. Lost two games by a total of seven points, right? Think about that. Uh, not exactly the time to throw in the towel in the season. You and, and it's not just that you lost them by seven points, but you had the opportunity to win both football games. You could say as much. I mean, we're talking about bad, egregious plays, right? Uh, we're talking about bad play, yet you could win. Think about that. In the NFL, that is tough to come by. Mr. Corey says right here, that's why I'm glad Washington lost, so Washington packs it in and trades us young. They have Philly next week. Um, yeah, and I believe I heard today that their GM actually called around offering up Sweat and um, – and Chase Young, so they are looking to make something happen there. So, um, so I, I think that. See this right here. This is one of those. This is one of those ones. Uh, Vikings were without Jefferson too. Sheesh. Uh, yeah, but the four games were without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. Like both teams were missing players. Uh, when it comes down to it, it's just execution on the plays. Uh, Randy says we need a shutdown corner. I think that's what you're paying Charvarius Ward to be. You know, and I mean, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't matter who who the edge guy or who the corner is. If they're not playing at a high level, like if you're not getting pressure on the outside from a defensive line, your corner, it don't matter who it is. I mean, there's not Darrell Revis's and Deion Sanders around. And even them with enough time, our receivers can win. So I get the sentiment. Um. Jay Hills says Brock came up small late in the fourth. That concerns me. He was okay late last week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he made a mistake. You know what I mean? If you want to call it coming up small, uh, you can call that. I think people are hypercritical of situations uh, without a large sample size. So uh, I, I think that there are opportunities, you know, for them to make plays in this game, and they didn't do it. So, um, you know, that's really unfortunate. But, you know, that's kind of the way that the game goes sometimes, guys, you know. So, uh, I wouldn't call it small, though. I, I don't think so. Uh, Cornbread, Gerald says, even though we lost, hit that like button. Thanks. Thanks, you. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, Mr. Corey says, Chase Young is fourth in the league in pressures with five sacks. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in, Mr. Corey. You don't have to convince me. Uh, I really appreciate that. And, and thanks to uh, Matt from North Valley Empire. Uh, really appreciate that. He says, good stuff, and Hit the like button. You're not going to find more genuine 49ers YouTube content. I really appreciate that. And if you guys like any youth football, you guys like watching highlights and stuff like that during the week, go check out North Valley Empire. They do it the best in the 209 uh, and really around anywhere around the 209. They're, they're all over the place. But uh, good stuff coming from them and good people and good friends. So uh, go check out their stuff. Give them a subscription. Check out some of the highlight videos. Uh, they had a couple shorts this year. One of them, uh, I think on Instagram, a reel, uh, went to 1 million views. So they're putting out good content over there, guys. Go check it out. Uh, Randy says the Super Bowl year we lost every game by just a few points too. It happens. I mean, you lose games, right? I mean, it, not every year you can go in there and blow it, blow teams away. Not every year is 1989. You go 14 and two and smoke everyone. There's always 1988s where you go 10 and six. You know what I mean? Like these things just happen. Um, so I I think you got to remember that when you're talking about uh, you know football games. And Hugo says nobody remembers about second place. Uh, with that said, I still believe the Foreigners have the answers on this roster. You're right. I mean, nobody thinks about second place, right? I mean, Nelly, you know, uh, two is not a winner, or and three, nobody remembers. You know what I mean? Like, eh, I get it. Like, I think I just said the lyrics wrong, but you get the sentiment. Uh, yeah. Mr. Corey says Purdy hasn't even played a full season yet, fellas. I know that's the, the thing. I mean, do we want him to make these mistakes and these turnovers? No. Um but he's still a young player, and he's only got three interceptions on the season, and two of them are in this game. I know it's compounded by the fact that he's had three in the last two weeks, uh, but let's let the guy grow. Let's let him make some mistakes, and you know these are the things that we were, we were willing to do with Trey Lance, right? I mean, most of the fan base said, 
you're willing to let Trey Lance make mistakes, and you got a young quarterback that hasn't made as many. I think we just got to let him have, um, you know, that that time and, and let things have. Mr. Corey says better to have weaknesses exposed before the trade deadline than afterwards. Yeah, I think so. You know, at JLE says, hey, he, hey, Brock's still learning. He's still growing. And I, I think those are, are fair sentiments. Uh, he definitely is. You know, and I think there's a lot of a lot of players on this team that are still growing and still learning. And the key to, key to it is uh, just to make sure that you execute when you're supposed to execute and you do what you're supposed to do. And um, right now he had a couple mistakes, and he's going to learn from those. Everybody's are hoping he doesn't make the same mistakes next week. And that's all you can hope for when it comes to uh, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but, guys, I'm going to check out. Thanks for joining me for this game reaction show. Uh, looking forward to content during the week. Join me on YouTube. Join me on Patreon. Join me on 49ers Cutback on Believe. Uh, all of them will have content available. So come through and check it out. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the content this week. Film breakdowns available on Patreon. So if you want to see where things went wrong uh, and where things went right, you join me on Patreon. It'll be really, really good. And, of course, you know, just like always, you know, you can join me and, and Jay Hill. We're going to be uh, have that show out over on Patreon as well. So uh, thanks, everyone, for coming through. Um, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. Remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.